A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Ozblog Ozcast right here on Ozblog.com. I'm here today to tell you that they have returned. Who? Who has returned, you might say? It's not so much who, but what. The days that so many had doubted would ever come back have, in fact, come back. Glory is upon us once more. We have struggled through dark times, through difficult times, through times where we felt like we might like to chop bits of ourselves off because that would be even less painful than watching the times that were dark and difficult of a few days ago. But no, we true followers, we true believers have been rewarded with our faith unwavering as it is. The glory days are back, the days of adoration, homage, Exaltation, prestige, splendor, worship, they're here once more. They said it wouldn't happen. Many of them said it would never happen, but they are wrong. They will have to eat the humble pie. Why you would make a pie out of humble rather than a crumble out of humble, I don't know. A humble crumble sounds an awful lot more enticing than a humble pie. But I don't make up the sayings. All I can do is tell you that once more, we stand on the precipice of greatness. We stand in front of all of the Premier League and we remind them of what a power we are. Because we won a game of football. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm back. I'm back to normal. I know normal is uh, is uh, relative, but uh, this is as normal as it's going to get. Hope you're well. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the first Arscast in which we can discuss a Premier League win for Arsenal since uh, February the 11th. 2017, when we beat Hull 2-0. You remember that, don't you? A majestic display of football on the day from Arsenal. Alexis Sanchez, he scored the first goal, a bit of a handball type thing, and then he scored a penalty really late on to seal the deal. Wow, it feels like a long time ago, that game. It really does, and we've been up to our eyes with stuff since then, haven't we? What's the manager doing? What's he not doing? Where's Stan Kroenke? Where's Ivan Gazidis? Why aren't we winning any games? Oh, we've lost again. Oh, for goodness sake. Can nobody mark from corners? What's going on? And you know, it hasn't been fun. It hasn't been fun. Regardless of how strident you are one way or the other, regardless of your opinion on what should happen, when it should happen, why it should happen, or anything else, I think the one thing that we could all say, as Arsenal fans, we have in common, is that when we're on a run of form like that, it's really no fun at all. 
at all. There's nothing enjoyable about it. There's nothing enjoyable about losing. There's nothing enjoyable about seeing us play like absolute twats. There's nothing enjoyable about the fallout or the discussion or the debate. I mean, it does give you plenty to talk about, but, you know, this week beating West Ham, it was like, um, I'm not going to say a weight was lifted because clearly one win against West Ham is is not going to do that. But, you know, it, it just felt better, better than losing, better than being miserable, better than wondering is it ever going to be better again? Because, you know, your mind goes to dark places, doesn't it? When things are going great, you don't think that they're going to be great forever. That's there in the back of your head. You realize that, that it can't be great forever. But when things are going badly, it's very difficult to convince yourself that they're not going to be bad forever. It's like every bad thing that happens is like a snowball Well, not of snow, though. Imagine a ball of shit, a big, big ball of shit, adding more shit to it. And all you can think of is this ball of shit is going to get so big that it will become just the world. The world will become a big ball of shit and I will get swallowed up along with everybody else covered in shit. And it will never, ever be better. Never be better than it is right now. We've peaked. It's all downhill from here. So it was nice to get a reminder that, you know, it is possible to turn things around a little bit. Now, of course, we've got a long way to go. We've got nine games left of the season. We still have a big chase for the top four, which, uh, you know, has to be our our Premier League target. Uh, I think, again, regardless of what you think should happen, we'd be better off if we finished as high up the table as we could. If Arsene Wenger stays, does it allow him or give him leverage to bring in players who want to play in the Champions League or hang on to players who might want to leave if they're not playing in the Champions League. Also, if we get a new manager, would it not be better if he was a man who could uh, attract people to the club with the promise of Champions League football? Perhaps somebody who might take us further in the Champions League than we've been. So I'm all for finishing as high up the table as we can. I want us to win as many of these final nine games as we possibly can. And uh, and just see where it ends up. The results in midweek went our way. We um, we won. Manchester City lost. Liverpool drew. And what's happening above that really is a sort of out of our hands at this moment in time. Tottenham and Chelsea, they're not really, unfortunately, relevant to us, which is an awful thing to say. But that's uh, that's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. I was in a bar... Last weekend, place I normally go, and the barman was there. I, you know, don't really talk to him about football, but I think he's overheard me uh, talking to my dad about football, and he knew I was an Arsenal fan, and he sort of outed himself to me as a Tottenham fan. I was like, no, you know, the pantomime, no, you know, uh, cunts. But I was saying one of the only things I've been hanging on to this season is is their ability to to spurs it up. And I don't think that's going to happen this time around. He was worried, of course, because he's seen it so many times. He said, well, that's what we do. That is our our speciality when it comes right down to it. We can can absolutely make a bollocks of everything. So maybe there's that slim, 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 slim hope, but I'm I'm not, uh, not putting any money on that. But it's just good not to be 
thinking consistently about everything that's gone wrong, even if it is only a temporary reprise, even if it's only for a couple of days before everybody gets wound up again or hot under the collar or everything else. It's just been, what's the word? Something different. Maybe winning a football game shouldn't be in that uh, category. That's something different, something new, something fresh, but that's kind of the way it feels. A little bit of variety in our lives at this moment in time. But that's where we are, and um, we'll just have to see where we go from here. We've got some uh, some big games coming up, of course. We don't play this weekend until, well, next week, actually. We don't play this weekend at all. We play on Monday night for two consecutive weeks, Monday night football. And uh, I hate Monday night football. I really do. I don't mind if it's someone else. If I can sit there on a Monday and watch a game of football, I'm all right with that. I'm happy with that. But I don't think that we should be made take part in it because I don't like it. And I'm sure many of you don't like it either. And they'll say, well, look, every team has to do it. And I think we should say no. We should get special dispensation because we don't like it much more than everybody else. Crystal Palace on Monday, and then we've got Middlesbrough the the following week. And what that does, I suppose, is in some ways increase the pressure on us. Because, you know, it could be a case that the teams around us, they win their games, and the points gap at the top of the table appears big, bigger than it actually is. Well, no, it is what it is, but we'll have the games in hand. But, you know, it's always better to have points on the board than games in hand, as they say. And, uh, you know, we're not necessarily the greatest at dealing with pressure. So maybe it's a case of making the players not look at the, the table. But that's not really realistic, is it? They'll know what the situation is. They'll know what we have to do. And if that adds a little bit of extra pressure to to those two fixtures against Crystal Palace and Borough, well, you know, so be it. And then there'll be people who say, well, it is Crystal Palace and Borough. You should be winning those games whether you play them on a Monday night, half three on a Wednesday morning, or whenever, three o'clock on a Saturday, some crazy kickoff time like that. So so maybe that's what it is. But look, we have a show for you today. We're not going to be looking ahead to a game at the weekend, really, because I've just we don't have one. I just told you, Monday, Monday. But uh, we will have the winner of our Boilk Mug competition. I've got two of those to give away. Uh, we'll give you the winners of those a little bit later on. And uh, we've got some other stuff. We've got some bits and pieces in there as well. But now let's talk to our, our guest about the goings-on of this week uh, on the field and off the field and uh, around the field, under the field, beside the field, across from the field, and everywhere else in the general proximity of the field and not on the field, basically. Anyway, he is a writer for Football.London. His name is Charles Watts. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, thanks for your time. Um, I, I want to start before we get talking about the football that's happened this week. And actually, the football is worth talking about um, for the first time in a number of weeks. So that's that's exciting <laughs> for me, to be honest. Um, during the week, you were at the press conference. Uh, I think it was held on Thursday. No, it wasn't. It was held on Tuesday ahead of the game. Uh, against West Ham on Wednesday and outside of the training ground were some people protesting. One man was dressed up as Alexis Sanchez uh, with little toy dogs and everything. Another man was dressed up with like Arsene Wenger and he had a clock and there was, you know, they were protesting outside the training ground and you posted a picture of it and that 
picture uh, from Twitter was then deleted, which has led to a number of people wondering why exactly that was, that perhaps there might have been some pressure exerted on you to to remove that. Is is that the case or what exactly happened there? It's not the case. It's not the case, no. And I didn't post a picture. What I did, I posted a tweet at the time saying, um, right. just just turned up at London Colney and, um, and the protesters outside the gates. Um, security stopping people taking pictures because I, I went I basically pulled up in the car at the gates and they were right outside the security place and I, and they, I said oh, I've got to take a photo of this mate sorry and he just stood in front of my window and said no no you're not no you're not and uh, wouldn't let me do it and it's like okay then so I carried on drove in and and sent sent the tweet and so that was it I didn't actually take, uh-huh. take a picture I wasn't I wasn't allowed to take a picture um, and obviously I tweeted that and it, and it started to get plenty of uh, plenty of traction but I was one of the first journalists to arrive. I was, I was there early doors because I hate the M25, so I want to make sure I give myself plenty of time. <laughs> and, um, and, and you know, a lot of journalists came in after me, and they were all getting getting pictures. And, um, and it was it's kind of my tweet was getting a lot of traction. It was getting picked up by a lot of guys, you know, people from the BBC, TalkSport, and people like that. And I just thought I was sort of looking at it, getting more and more retweets. And while everyone else was actually tweeting pictures of the of the the protest i just thought it's just not it's not right it's not it's kind of misleading i ended up i went and spoke to the security guard who tried to say the reason he stopped me was because he was uh i was causing obstruction in my car which wasn't the case he was just he was, he was just a young lad i think and he he, yeah. he kind of panicked as i was pretty much the first person on the scene who suddenly saw these these protesters and he tried to stop me and he, and he just kind of made a mistake and um you know i thought well, f- fair enough he probably didn't know what was quite was going on there was no one senior around there and in, and in the end, because I just thought there were so many pictures of the protest coming around and being shown around that I just thought my tweet wasn't quite true and <laughs> misleading. And um, because it was getting so much traction, I just thought, oh, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get rid of it. And um, unfortunately, that led to uh, some people thinking that Arsenal would lend on me to uh, to remove the picture, right. um, which just was not the case at all. It, it just wasn't. And um, unfortunately, some people who, you know certainly sort of nailed their colours to the mast in terms of the, the Wenger debate and everything like that sort of just just used it without checking any facts and um, and that started going around which I thought was a little bit unfair because it wasn't it wasn't the case and uh, right. you know, Arsenal hadn't lent on me at all So you were basically trying to kind of do this young security guard, uh, guard a, bit, a bit of a favour in a way Pretty much and I just didn't want it to be misleading because it was yeah. much it was getting it was you know it was going all, it was going all around the place and it, and it just wasn't it wasn't the case because it, and it was making me look a bit, a little bit silly. I thought because there was, you know, there was pictures coming out left, right, and centre of Alexis Sanchez and his dog sitting outside the front of the front of, the, of London Colney. So, yeah. um, and I just thought it was making almost making me look a little bit silly. And and so yeah, I just decided to to remove it. And I can see why some people sort of took that for for what they thought it meant, but it absolutely didn't. And, yeah. and if you sort of see my. Uh, coverage of the whole Wenger and the protests and everything like that. I'm not someone who sort of toe the party line or something like that. It just wouldn't be the case. And so, uh, sure. so yeah, no, it was all a little bit, little bit of a misunderstanding that unfortunately when it gets sort of tweeted once on social media, then people start believing it for facts and it's just not the case. Okay. Well, look, you know, it doesn't take much to fuel conspiracy theories at the moment and it does not take much to create a, a storm in a teacup at this moment in time. But I suppose one of the things that we could say, though, is that the the Wenger out thing that's that seems to be happening all around the world 
mm-hmm. um, is not something the club can do anything about in, in any real terms. I mean, they can't stop people holding up banners at Coldplay concerts and at games between New Zealand and Fiji. It is becoming almost like a meme, a sort of a, an internet joke now. It can't be just Arsenal fans who are doing this kind of stuff. And it is, regardless of whether he wants to be upfront about his future or whether the club want to be upfront about its future, it, it, it is something that they are struggling to control. I don't think they can control it. And to be fair, I'm not sure they are really trying. I mean, I haven't seen or heard of much, you know, even inside the stadium, we've seen the Wenger out banners from the protesters who have been marching when they get to the stadium. They take those banners inside the stadium and hold them up. I haven't seen anyone sort of mentioning that they've been the stewards or anyone's tried to stop them. So I'm not sure the club are trying too hard too hard to do it. I mean, it is, an, it is worldwide crazy now, and I'm a bit of a wrestling fan despite my age and WrestleMania was absolutely covering <laughs> it at the weekend there were signs absolutely everywhere uh, about it and even in even I think the Kendall Jenner Pepsi controversy that's going on at the moment there even someone managed to put a memo of, of a Wenger out banner in the background of all that and it's, uh, it's uh, it seems to be a bit of an internet craze at the moment and it's not going to go away it's just not, it's not even if he does um, make a decision why he's not why nothing's been announced yet, I have absolutely no idea. I think it's a ridiculous situation that it's even been allowed to get to this. Um, but even if he does announce that he's staying, um, which I'm sure is going to happen at some point, that you know it's not going to go away. These protesters are going to go away just because he's suddenly saying they're not going to they're not going to resign themselves to another two years. Do, they're going to carry on with so, the process. Though? I mean, did, I mean, look, if he came out tomorrow, or if it came out tomorrow that he was staying for another two years, I mean, what what? I mean, it's not going to go away, is it? I mean, well, I mean, I think. But what happens? Does it just become two years of people hanging Wenger out signs out of their bedroom windows wherever they go? If they go to WrestleMania two or UFC or you know go on holidays to a desert island and put Wenger out uh, in the sand so it can only be spotted by a helicopter going from above? I mean, where, where does it stop? At some point, it kind of has to stop. Because but I mean, I mean, I suppose that that depends on the protesters. But you see the the sort of size of the movement now, and it seems to be growing in growing in support. I mean, absolutely. I think the one thing that could yeah. stop it is if Arsenal suddenly start winning games <laughs> and winning games fairly regularly. Then it's it gets a little bit harder to protest. Yeah. Then and people are sort of I mean, and are in and you know wondering whether they should be involved or not. If you're, if you're winning games and you're towards the top of the table and you're competing for for trophies, then they're not going to they're not really going to get involved in it. So I think mm. that's the only way it can stop is if he stays and then somehow builds a completely revamps everything this summer and puts together a squad that is very much capable yeah. of challenging next season. But I mean, people, I, I mean, look, I understand where people are coming from in terms of the, the desire for a new manager. And, you know, it's wrong to suggest or wrong to think that it's only the people that are protesting that would like to see something change at the club. But what my no. point is that, like, if he say, if he's staying and if he signs a new contract... It it appeared it would appear to me anyway to be a complete waste of time to continue protesting um, when the protest is about no new contract if a new contract yeah. has been given. Now that's not to say that there can't be uh, a movement or protests uh, that could be focused elsewhere to perhaps urge the club to to look at itself with regards to the bigger picture, if you like. I suppose you could focus mm. a little bit more on uh, the majority shareholder. You could focus a bit more on uh, boardroom. You could focus a bit more on the structures that need to be in place. Like, could those protests, what I'm saying is, could those protests then be channeled into something else that means that the club are still aware that people uh, want things to be different, even if the manager isn't for the next two seasons? 
I mean, it's, it's certainly conceivably could, but I think just the manner of the protest so far, you know, I think Stan Kroenke's got away absolutely scot-free and, and the board yeah. got away scot-free in this. I mean, Arsene Wenger, a man who I have so much respect for, um, you know, he's been almost hang out to dry because of his loyalty. He's the man at the top and he's the one he's, he's taking all the flat when the people behind him who have got so many decisions wrong in how the club's um, been run and, and even how this situation has been allowed to unfold because it's, it's ridiculous that the board have let it get to this stage and the uncertainty that's surrounding the place. So, so yeah, I mean, it, conceivably it could if he does sign, but I just think the manner in which the protest has sort of unfolded it is very... Wenger, you know, it's, di- it's very much directed at Wenger. I know a lot of it is titled "No New Contract," but I just think that if he does, if he does sign a new contract, it will, it will still revolve around Wenger and not the board. I just can't see them really moving solely to focus on Kroenke or Gazidis yeah. or anyone like that. I still think Wenger will remain the the main centre of the protest. Now, I know I just can't see them go away. I mean, I'm, you know, I I think. I think change is needed. I think this should be the last. This should be the end of Arsenal's reign training at the end of this season. I think the whole place is in desperate need of a shake-up, and I, I don't. I don't think there's any justification in giving them a new deal just purely based on the results in the last few seasons. I don't quite understand how a club who say they're an ambitious top club in Europe can really justify giving Arsene Wenger a new deal after this after this latest season. So, yeah. Um, that's how that's how I stand on it. But uh, you know, I'm. You know, I've got so much respect for him. That doesn't it doesn't change my opinion on him at all. He's I think he's a great man. He's given me, as an as an Arsenal fan and now as an Arsenal writer, the greatest years of my life probably as a football fan. I've seen some of the greatest moments I'll ever see. Mm. But there comes to there comes to an end to everyone's time, and I just think that this season I, I can't see how the club can justify giving him a new deal. No, look, I I, I agree with that. Um... I, it would just mean. I mean, I I agree, but I also think that that's what they're going to do, and I, oh, I, think I think that's probably. Yeah. I think that's probably what what's going to happen. But I, I, it would just make the next two years. I mean, people I might say, well, it's going to be unbearable anyway, um, unless things radically improve. But just the idea that every game could be accompanied by a protest or a sideshow or a stunt of some kind, you know, whether it's an airplane or a van or I don't know what, you know, men dressed up as Alexis Sanchez, maybe they'll have real dogs with them next time. You know, I don't know, but, you know, it, it, it just strikes me that something has to be done to um, to ensure that that isn't the case because it's just not a healthy situation for this football club or for any football club. So um, we, we'll obviously have to wait and see. And clearly the... The uh, the way to deal with that is in both the hands of Arsene Wenger and the board, Stan Kroenke and Ivan Gazidis, and the silence from all sides is uh, and remains definitely. They need definite, to do something exciting yeah. this summer. If he does stay, they need to somehow make make the summer exciting. You know, they've got to recruit well. They've got to revamp the squad. I mean, we've seen the same players sort of year in year out, given given more chances and failing to really make them up. They've got to they've got to totally revamp things, and that's clearly what. Ivan Gazidis is pushing for is you know the whole catalyst for change thing that was pushed out from the club on Sunday, you know that's come directly from from Ivan and that's the message he wants to get across. Obviously, Arsene Wenger kind of poured scorn on it almost at his press conference uh, with some of the comments that he made about it and how how they were viewed by Ivan. I don't know. I mean, there does seem to be a little bit of a power struggle between those two, and that could possibly be the delay in this. You know, yeah. Ivan's got there is a contract on the table for Arsene, but it's probably got a few conditions that he needs to be met, and whether Arsene's totally willing to meet those at the moment 
obviously I don't think he is, which is why nothing's been signed yet. But I think they will come to some sort of agreement. But whatever happens in this summer, if he does stay, they've got to give something to the fans to really look forward to next season. You know, mm. If they just go through another summer of typical Arsenal transfer demons and you know, failing to get players they want in, then the whole, you know, it's just going to get to August again and we're going to start the season with a similar mood as we ended this season. And then sure. that's not going to be good for anyone. They've got to revitalise the whole place this summer. It's such a massive few months. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it was quite telling that Ivan Gazidis came out with this catalyst for change thing. But, you know, at the same time, we're saying, you know, Arsene Wenger could be part of that catalyst for change he wasn't necessarily saying this would be uh, the only way to make that change would be to, to have a new manager but if if the chief executive and if the manager are at odds with uh, an owner who I don't know what nobody knows what Stan Kroenke thinks I guess other than he likes Arsene Wenger very much because he is a man who who continues to provide him a return on his investment, if there's a power struggle between the chief executive and the manager, it will be very interesting to see who Kroenke sides with because ultimately he's going to be the one who will have to make that decision. Unless one of them says, you know, either Wenger or Gazeta says, no, look, this situation is untenable. I can't take it anymore. But is Arsene Wenger going to walk away from a job he loves and is Ivan Gazeta going to walk away from a £2.5 salary? Exactly. I mean, there, there are there have been whispers that about Gazidis and the frustration that's creeping into him, and it was even talk, sort of, I, I heard that he was considering almost walking away this summer and going back to the states if things didn't work out the way he wanted. I, Arsenal have been sort of quick to rubbish those rumours, and uh, with that exact word, rubbish. So um, whether they're unsubstantiated, we'll have to wait and see. But there does seem to be that you know this sort of little power struggle, and they're they're both butting heads and conceivably the loser might end up walking but you just can't really see that loser being Arsene Wenger a, mainly just because he's got Stan Kroenke on his side and as much as Gazidis is the CEO of Arsenal you know Stan Kroenke holds the power he's a majority shareholder and he he worships the ground Arsene Wenger walks on as does his son Josh Kroenke who's getting more and more involved as the, as the time goes by and I think they certainly see the next two years as years that Arsene Wenger should be at the helm whether Sir Chips and uh, and even Gazidis agree with that I'm not so sure but at the end of the day they're not the people who, make, who really have the ultimate decision that lies, that lies with Kroenke mm. Well look a place of real harmony and uh, togetherness you'd have to say uh, <laughs> this football club at the moment but there you go but look yes. <laughs> let's leave that to one side then and on Wednesday night Arsenal won a game of football in the Premier League for the first time since February uh, when they beat Hull 2-0 now I know there's been an international break there have been some game postponements because of our involvement in the FA Cup but you know almost two months between Premier League wins at this time of the season there's obvious uh, got people disappointed and got people fairly tetchy because of uh, because of what it's meant to to our season. Um, it's not a cure all, but it was nice to see that certain aspects of this team, which we haven't seen for quite a while, uh, returned, particularly in the second half. Yeah, it was it was an enjoyable game. It was nice to just sort of focus on a decent game of football after everything that's gone on the last few weeks. And and they were good Arsenal. It started a little bit. It, as you expect for a team that's lacking confidence, actually two teams that were lacking confidence. I thought the first half hour was pretty edgy. I thought actually, in fact, mm. West Ham shaded a little bit at the early stages, but the last 15 minutes of the first half, Arsenal really came into it. They dominated the game, had a few chances, didn't score, but 
just just flew out of the blocks in the second half. And Mesut Ozil was fantastic from the basically the kickoff to the moment that Theo, Theo made it 2-0. I thought it was 23 minutes of Ozil at his best. He was he was everywhere. He scored the goal. He set up Theo's goal. He could easily set up a couple more, but Welbeck and um, Elneny missed a couple of chances from his assists. And um and he just had that yard of pace back that seems to have been lacking in the, since the turn of the year. And you know when Ozil's playing well, he doesn't doesn't really run across. He glides across the pitch, and it was mm. just it was it was him at his very best yesterday. I thought it was it was great to see because it's coming from an awful lot of criticism. A lot of it justified because he's not been good. Let's face it, since the turn of the year, a player of his quality he should be doing more. But he would really took that game by the scruff of the neck yesterday, and he he, he changed it and won it for Arsenal. And it was it was just good to see the. As soon as the first goal went in, and as soon as he scored, the confidence started to come back. The movement was coming back all over the pitch, and West Ham had, you know, had no answer with Fonse and Collins, you know, and the youngest players at the heart of that defence, and they were getting pulled left, mm. right, and centre all over the place. And Theo was getting in. Sanchez was all, was running rings around him, as as I said, was was fantastic. And it just turned into a really nice, decent performance to watch. Given that it's been such a while, it's been such a long time since we've seen Arsenal play well, it was just a bit of a breath of fresh air, really, and you could just get the sense. The mood around the place, the atmosphere, everyone was sitting back and enjoying it because it's been such a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It was, you know, only West Ham, a team who are in terrible form and who played pretty badly, it has to be said, uh, on Wednesday night. They they look like uh, they're even worse off than we are in terms of their form and confidence and, and everything else. Uh, but at the same time, as difficult as everything has been, over the last few weeks. That has been really difficult, probably the most difficult period in the club's history for the last 20 years or so. Um, mm-hmm. the, the way everything is sort of heating up under various elements, it, it was quite interesting or quite informative to just see that, you know what, 90 minutes of good football on the pitch can really make a difference. Uh, it doesn't make you feel like everything is solved or all the problems are are going to be uh, you know fixed straight away. Every, not everything is right with the world, but when it comes right down to it, when your team wins a game comfortably and plays well, it really does help calm things down. It just sends you home happy, and that's what football's about, isn't it? You want to go yeah. home thinking about football, thinking about good goals, thinking about good moments. You don't want to go home thinking about protests and fights between your own fans and things like that, do you? And that's what we've become used to in the recent weeks. But yesterday, everyone who was in that stadium, apart from the 3,000 West Ham fans, you know, they, could, they went home thinking about watching Ozil turn on a masterclass, watching Xhaka, in my mind, produce his best performance since he signed for Arsenal and give us, hopefully, a glimpse of what's going to lie ahead next season watching Mustafi play the best he's played for an awful long time watching Martinez put a really really good show in coming in as third choice goalkeeper it was just there was loads of nice things to take away from the game and it's been such a long time and, and that's what it's all about you, you talk, listen to Arsene Wenger and he, his press conference on Thursday he was talking about how football's got a load of money it create, keeps creating new jobs it almost over, overcomplicates itself and for him the main thing is just footballers going out and playing well and doing their jobs and that's what it was about on last night and that's why I think everyone went home with a smile on their face because we've all been mm. bogged down in so much other stuff at the moment it was nice just to appreciate some decent football yeah you, you mentioned Granit Xhaka he did have a really good game and I, I think he's a guy this season who you know he's had his critics uh, he's had his difficult moments some silly moments but I think as well he's been a guy who's who's been a bit unfairly targeted and you know written off far too early by 
um, by some of the pundits uh, who've over-exaggerated some of the problems that he's had uh, as an individual when really it's been very difficult to make any uh, genuine assessment of, of Arsenal players as individuals because the collective has been such a struggle for, for such a long time this season. But alongside Mohamed Elneny, he had a guy who... <sighs> who sort of, I won't say brought out the best in him. It's only one game, and, you know, we obviously need to see it a bit more, perhaps against better opposition. But they did look like a pair that could suit each other in the sense that Elneny is on the move all the time. He's there, available for a pass. Uh, He can provide it to Xhaka, who's then got a bit more ambition in terms of what he wants to do with the ball. He can spray it left and right. He can put it over the top. There was a couple of... Uh, one in particular for Alexis that you you would have thought he would have done better with, um, but just somebody who can maybe just dictate the play a little bit from deeper. And I think we we saw signs of what Jacket can do um, and should be able to do on a more regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been fairly critical of uh, of Xhaka. I think mainly because of the price tag is so expensive that you just expect a little bit more from for your money than we've seen so far. I mean, there's clearly a decent player there. Um, but I just think when he's when he's pressurised, when he's put under pressure, not given much time on the ball, then he, he really struggles. And I think also we all, when he came in, I think we all thought he was a little bit of a different player to the one we've got. I think we, we thought he might have been a bit of a midfield enforcer type player, but he's not really that man. He's, he's certainly mm. very much a creator from deep, a Javi Alonso type. Um, but I thought he was really, really good yesterday. And it was, I didn't think on any had that good a game, but I thought what he did do right was do the, almost do the ugly side of things and, just allow Jacker a little bit more space in the middle to be able to pick his passes, like I said, because he's, he's fantastic range of passing. Jacker, he can ping it sixty yards cross field to uh, to someone's feet, or he can sort of split the lines with his quick ball. He was it was interesting. He was always dropping back. And Martinez, who I thought was really good, his distribution Martinez was far better than Czech or Espino's distribution. Every time he got it, he was looking to move it quickly. And Jacker, as soon as Martinez received the ball, Jack would drop it back into the hole just in front of the back four, receive it, turn, spin. And, and look forward and um, I thought it was really really impressive and I hope it is just a glimpse of what we're going to see because there's clearly a very very good talented player there and people who saw him play week in week out in Germany which I didn't um, you know, rave about him what he did for Gladbach and we had a piece on Football London this week from a, a writer um, about that very thing who watched him last week and he said that Arsenal haven't utilised him properly mm. because of the different midfield partners he's had none of them have been settled and none of them have really been perfect for him to bring the best out of him but Elneny is just seems to be that sort of player who can bring the best out of him he does it he does the ugly thing going and just gives Jacker a little bit more um, space and time to be able to create try to sort of look up and sort of get a vision of what's ahead of him without having three people charging in on top of him so I thought that was very very positive and hopefully it's what we're going to see a lot more of next season well that's it you know uh, the manager we know has his favorites at times and uh, perhaps You'd be hard-pressed to make a case for Elneny being one of those, but given how well it worked, you'd like to think that there might be some consistency in the team selection uh, because there's another big game on uh, Monday night. Uh, Arsenal playing Crystal Palace away from home. Always difficult, I guess, against an Allardyce side, and Palace have caused us some problems in the past. They have, not really at Selhurst, though. We've got a very good record at Selhurst Park. And, um, but but they're, yeah, they're not easy the, games, if I remember correctly. They've always been a bit like... Two ones, one goal wins. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, they have been, and you know what you know what you're going to get with Allardyce, especially when you're coming up against an Arsenal team. He's done it over the years with everyone. He does it. He's not going to change yeah. too much. So you're going to get a very physical, bruising encounter. They're going to look to, you know, play the aerial balls into Benteke at the back post and sort of get the knockdowns. And it's it's not going to take a genius to work out what Arsenal are going to have to do. But 
it'll be interesting to see what's going on with the goalkeeper in that. You know, is Czech going to be back? Is Ospina going to be back? We'll find out a little bit more. We're all down London Colney tomorrow for the press conference with us and uh, about that. We'll get the team news, Koscielny as well. Um, but if they're not, I think certainly if Ospina's fit and Czech's not, I'd, I'd carry on with Martinez. I think he's much more commanding in the area than, than yeah. Ospina. He's taller for a start. He's more physical. He came really dealt well with any crosses that came towards Antonio or, or Carroll yesterday. He dealt with them really well, and it's going to be a very similar sort of thing mm. on Monday night. So I, I'd certainly go with him and try and negate that the deep balls towards the far post, and rather than trying to let the fullbacks deal with it, which we know aren't we're not that great at getting a Monreal or Bellerin stuck at the back post against a tall striker. There's only really going to be one winner, and yeah. you want your keeper to come and take the pressure off there. And I can see Martinez doing a better job of that than Ospina. Uh, for sure, for sure. Certainly, uh, you know, I think there might well be an element of people wanting Martinez to be in the team because he's just different because we've seen the flaws of David Ospina. We've seen the flaws of Petr Cech. And, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say that Arsenal could do with a with a new goalkeeper, you know, somebody who is commanding, somebody who's good enough that he's going to play in Champions League and Premier League rather than this sort of timeshare thing Arsene Wenger has going on at the moment between uh, Ospina and Czech. I think it's very early days with, with, with regards to Martinez. We've seen bits and pieces of him down the years. But, you know, I, I wasn't at all worried when he had to play against West Ham the other night, even though we were going to be facing Andy Carroll. I didn't really have any worries. I think I probably would have been a bit more worried if it had been Ospina. Yeah, I'm absolutely in agreement with you. I was talking about that before the game yesterday. So no, I actually feel a lot more confident knowing it was Martinez in goal and not, not Ospina just because of the threat that West Ham are going to carry. I mean, I think it's a priority for Arsenal to get a new goalkeeper in the summer. I mean, I've not been convinced by Czech mm. this year at all. I think he's a, he's just clearly coming towards the end of what's been a fantastic career, but he's, he's 34 now. The mistakes are creeping and he doesn't command his box very well. He's record at his near post is awful mm. and um, and Ospina obviously going to go he wants to get first team football so he's definitely going to leave the summer so keep his priority Jordan Pickford is someone that they are looking at um, at Sunderland obviously they're nailed on for relegation now so it's going to be a bit of a bum fight for him I think about who gets him because he's certainly going to be on the move and he's someone that Arsenal have been scouted there's also been rumours about um, Butland at Stoke but I know that I, from what I understand of Pickford's more likely than that right um but Martinez has certainly put, put his case forward. It was, it was, you couldn't ask much more than him yesterday. I thought all round, his, his shot stopping when called upon was very good. Commanded his box perfectly. His distribution, as I said, was excellent. And I mean, he just produced a very, very solid 90-minute display. You can't ask for any more than that. And so I'd, I'd, if, unless Czech is fit, which I doubt he will be, then I'd certainly expect him to, to continue at South Park. All right. Well, look, we'll, uh, we'll find out more about that over the weekend and, of course, uh, on Monday ahead of the game against Crystal Palace. But we better leave it there. Charles, thanks very much indeed. Top man. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed to Charles. You can find him on Twitter. He's Charles underscore Watts. Charles underscore Watts with two Ts. And he writes about Arsenal for football.london. Right. We've got a bit more to do. Not sure what. Exactly, but we'll do it right after this. Join us as we take another enchanting adventure into the world of the angriest man on Twitter. Oi, Winger! What's 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 happening with staff and your contract and the future? And everything. I'm just so broken down with rage that I can no longer feel anything. No highs, no lows, 
It all just feels meaningless, like life itself. We're only here a short time. What is the point in getting so angry about things that you have absolutely no control over? Sometimes I wonder why I even bother. What is the point of it all? I ask myself that every day. And every day I struggle to find an answer. I wonder am I going to be like this forever? In this state of endless, relentless neutrality. And then I look at the lead table and I see Tottenham in second and I think, fuck it, let's go! Next week, another madcap laugh-a-minute romp with the angriest man on Twitter. Everything is shit! If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We'll have more from the angriest man on Twitter on another podcast in the future, or maybe on this podcast. You never know. Maybe he's so angry he'll come back and do a reprise. What do they call it? An encore. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, something cool happened. You might remember last week when I was doing the podcast, I was telling you I was drinking a delicious beer. Delicious beer called Crossroads IPA by Kinnergar Brewers, who are in Donegal in Ireland. They make very nice beer. But anyway, I just mentioned it. You know, just mentioned it. I wasn't really angling for any free beer, but they sent me an email. And uh, they dispatched me a care package of uh, 12 bottles of their delicious Kinnegar Brewing Crossroads American Style IPA and a T-shirt as well. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed to those guys. And I am enjoying one of those beers as I'm recording this podcast this very evening. So thank you very much indeed to them. And, uh, well, leaving that aside, I just want to say, Audi, Audi, good cars. I, I don't have one. Can I get one, please? An Audi. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, 
stick to beer, I think. It's probably within grasp. Anyway, last week I asked you, what's going on? That was our competition question, what is going on? And thank you to all the people who answered that, uh, who tried to answer. Many of you said, I don't have a fucking clue, actually, but it's shit. Lots of people tried to get to the heart of the matter. There were some very good entries, some very funny entries, and I did read all the emails. So thank you very much indeed. As ever, though, it's going to be the random number generator that picks the winners. Uh, it's the tried and trusted, the age-old method of uh, of deciding who wins competitions here on Arsblog. And the first winner is Nate Gallinger. So well done to you, Nate Gallinger. You are getting yourself a boiled mug. And the other winner is Aaron Venezuela, which sounds like a private eye, doesn't it? Hi, Aaron Venezuela. Oh, it's not. It's not Aaron Venezuela. It's Aaron Valenzuela. Valenzuela. Aaron Valenzuela. Well done to you all the way in Texas, USA. You're going to get yourself a boiled mug. So uh, I'll get details from you two guys uh, and we'll get the prizes sent out to you as quickly as we can. For the rest of you, remember, you can get the boiled mug on uh, redbubble.com. I think if you just search for Arse Blog, you'll find it. It's the only uh, it's the only product we have in that little shop there. And uh, we make, I think, one pound something for each cup. So um, we're not getting rich but if you'd like yourself a boiled mug that is where you're gonna get one now i got an email i get a, I get a lot of email actually i get quite a lot of email every week every day there's a lot of email and uh, uh i do i do get around to answering it all but what happens is i tend to let it build up builds up and then i sit there with a glass of wine or a couple of beers and do an email backlog i whack through them all but anyway uh this one comes from timothy cromwell i saw it today and he, he wanted to know this he said Andrew, is there any possible outcome where you could see the current actions of the club being justified? They announce a list of things that are happening, A, B, C, that cause you to go, oh, wow, that's great. Now I totally get why the club weren't communicating things and were acting like total shitheads. He said, I'm thinking like the similar moment at the end of the sixth sense when you're totally blown away by the fact that Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time and Haley Joel Osment really does see dead people. I was like, holy shit, that really does make sense. Then he says, even if you can't see an outcome that would make you say that, can you just lie and tell me that you can? Um, no, I can't. I can't lie. Although, you know, there is the idea of all of us being dead what if what if we're all bruce willis or are we all Haley joel osmond wouldn't we all have to be one thing or the other to be involved in like a collective mind melt or are we just part of the imagination of somebody else do you remember the end of um saint elsewhere i think it was yeah the, the show about the hospital that was on in the 80s and, and 90s and if I remember correctly, you know, there's this season after season of this hospital drama. And then you find out right at the end that it's a kid. I think he's special needs or maybe he's uh, autistic and basically has a snow globe. And inside the snow globe is uh, a building, which is the outside of St. Elsewhere, the hospital. And his dad, who is one of the doctors in the hospital, in real life is just a construction worker and he's invented this whole world that we've just spent six or seven seasons watching is that could that be where we are um 
Maybe I should just lie and tell you that I think I can think of something that would make it all sound good, because that would be a lot less confusing and a lot less a lot less perplexing, a lot less hurty on my brain, because my brain is feeling feeling a bit broken now, having considered that possibility. Is there is there a plan? Is there something they're keeping quiet? Is there something that they just can't tell us because it's so top secret, because it it depends on so many other things that if they tell somebody something, then the rest of it will fall apart. They're waiting for all these pieces to come together to announce it in one gigantic announcement type thing. Is that possible? It's possible. I mean, it is. It is possible, but I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just what we fear it is, which is a situation that they can't manage, that they know they can't uh, they can't get on top of at this moment in time, that what they want to do, the timing, the circumstances doesn't allow them to do. I think that's probably what it is. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe, Tim, uh, you... You're onto something. Maybe you're the one that can see through the light. Maybe you, you alone are, are Haley Joel Osment. The rest of us are just Bruce Willis's in your world. So there. Right. What else is there to talk about? Nothing, really nothing, because, you know, we've got no football at the weekend. I don't even know who's playing who at the weekend, so I should have a look at that and just see what might happen to the league table before we play Crystal Palace. Um, Saturday... Tottenham against Watford. There's a there's a Tottenham win. There's simply no way that Watford are going to get anything from that game. Manchester City versus Hull City. Hull City been going well under their new manager uh, Marco Silva, much to the unhappiness of uh, Paul Merson and uh, what's his face, uh, not Ray Clements, Phil Thompson. That guy. They probably don't like it. Again. He know about Hull. Exactly. What's he, he, know, what's about he know about the Premier League? What is he, exa- what's he know? It is quite astonishing. Yep. Pretty astonishing that a manager who has won league titles has come to the Premier League and actually been, you know, not bad at his job. It's a, it's a crazy concept to get your head around. But that said, I don't see them having enough to get uh, anything against uh, Manchester City. So that's going to heap a bit of pressure on a Stoke City versus Liverpool. Absolutely no chance Stoke are going to get uh, anything from that game. Liverpool will win that one easily. Chelsea, of course, will beat Bournemouth very easily indeed. Uh, and on Sunday, what's happening on Sunday? Sunderland against Manchester United. David Moyes facing his old club the one that turfed him out so unceremoniously. Absolutely no chance Sunderland are going to get anything from that game. And uh, any female reporters on the beat after that one might might need to watch out. They better not be naughty, you know, because David Moyes, <laughs> he might threaten to slap them and tell them to watch out next time they come in. Oh, my goodness. Is there anything funnier than threatening violence against women? Not in the world of football. It's all just a bit of banter, isn't it? So Manchester United are going to win that one. And um, Everton against Leicester. Interesting. Could be a draw. But that means we're going to have to do the business at uh, Selhurst Park on Monday night. Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. 8 o'clock kickoff on Sky Sports, I take it. They leave our weekend football list, so we're going to have to find something else to fill the gap. I hope you do. James and I will be here with an Arscast Extra on Tuesday. We won't be doing the Arscast Extra on Monday because, well, that will be a bit pointless. We'll wait till after the game. So you're going to have to wait until Tuesday. 
Wednesday. Another reason to hate Monday night kickoffs, as if we needed any more. Anyway, look, I hope you have a good weekend. Whatever it is you get up to, have fun, be nice, look after each other, eat well, drink well. Remember, the world is a strange and weird place. We're either all dead, Bruce Willis, or Haley Joel Osment. Walker told me I have AIDS. Right, that's it. I will catch you on the Arsecast Extra on Tuesday on the Arsecast next week. Have yourselves a good one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Coming up on 9.15 here on Holy God FM, that's John Farnham, and you're the voice. John Farnham, of course, comes from a land down under, like Kylie Minogue, Wolverine, or John Cosmina. We've got more great hits on the way, but time now to go to the phone lines. Hello, who have we got? Hello? Hello, my son. How can I help you? Something really terrible has happened to me. Please, go on. Well, I used to be really angry all the time. And now, my team won a football match and I'm less angry. I just don't know what to do. Please, help me. Well, my son, all I can do is remind you of when Jesus spoke to the disciples at the Last Supper. And he said if you play 4-2-1-2-1 away from home against a big opposition, you're always going to struggle. You're better off with the 4-3-3, adding the extra man to midfield, perhaps sacrificing a little bit of the creativity. But to make yourself more secure in the centre of the park is really important in these big games. Does that answer your question? I was actually trying to get some advice and you have made me particularly angry. Now, if this was not... Well, we seem to be having some issues with that particular caller there, but we'll have more calls in the next hour. Now, though, we've got to get on with the tunes. Rocking it like it's never been rocked before. He's the man from the jungle. Well, he's not actually from the jungle. He's from Derry in Northern Ireland. This is Baltimora and Tarzan Boy on Holy God FM. Bye. Uh-huh.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 